Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable. That's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. He better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of the U.S. where we are on our book tour with Miriam Ibrahim. And Miriam and I are actually doing a drive, and we thought, you know what? Since we're driving, why not do a podcast while we're driving down the road? I mean, we're usually talking anyway. And um, I, I actually enjoy doing a podcast while I'm driving because my mind, just watching the road sometimes is difficult for me. But if you hear us suddenly stop, that might be because we're in a crash. And so that might be the last podcast we're doing. Miriam? Yeah. It's been a great time, I think, doing this tour. Thanks for joining us for this Back to Jerusalem podcast. We got you coffee. You are ready to go. You got energy. So how do you think that the the tour has been going since we since we started? It's going really well, and I'm really blessed to be able to do it. I mean, I never imagined it would be easy, and it's more than uh, people really. Um, the response is very encouraging from every church we go to, and I love doing that. So. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. The response has been really encouraging. Last night, uh, we were at Bellevue Baptist Church in Owensboro, Kentucky, mm-hmm. and the entire Christian Family Radio staff came out uh, so they had the, the people that have their own programs they had the the staff members from the radio station that were there and that for me was touching there was another group um, who were they with they were like a prison ministry or something the prison ministry and they have another group that they help uh, women surviving of uh, abuse and uh, imprisonment so they help people with counseling housing and uh, started like getting back to their feet so I love that do you remember the name of that group I don't remember the name no, no. yeah name. sorry no we, name group we, will, we, we wish we knew your name we if we if we knew your name we would give you some shout outs right now on our podcast but unfortunately we cannot remember your name but we do remember your good deeds we remember your smiling faces last night at the church and it was it's really been special to see so many people come out to the book signing to the book tour joining us at these different churches and you know if it's a Sunday morning we understand that you know there's going to be people there at church already but for those of you listening to this podcast that came to the meetings at on Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday night we know that you have other things to do in life and yet you stopped what you were doing and you came out and you joined us for these for this book tour that's really special to us we don't take it for granted we are very very thankful and we're excited I'm excited I'm excited that uh, Miriam your story is touching so many lives around the world yes indeed it does and um, this is also encouraging for me and like foiling giving me more energy and encouragement to continue doing the same so I would love to to make sure that I hear back from you guys so whoever able to join us we really do appreciate that I've seen uh, children 
sometimes. Yeah, um, I appreciate everything that's really got us uh, on this time and all during the book writing. As Eugene said, it takes me so long to decide really to make, um, to write this book. I mean, I and sit down and I talk about uh, my experience in Sudan. It was an easy journey, but God really walked with me through it and he's walking with us through this time right now and uh, he's always uh, with us and we do trust his plan and we do trust whatever he brought in our way why did you wait i mean you're, you've been living in the u.s now for seven eight years um from a marketing point of view it would have seemed to be making a lot more traction your book would have probably got a a lot more of attention uh, any marketing director would have been I think happier with doing the marketing of your book right after you came out of prison right because you were on Fox News and CNN and BBC you were all over the news uh, but instead you chose to wait and you believe that God had his perfect timing mm -hmm. not immediately after you came out of prison but later why 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 do you think that that is why did you wait well, first, God is timing. Like I waited in prison, every, all this time I waited in prison, people will tell me, like, you have to say, you have to accept Islam and, uh, and get out of prison. I was waiting and praying. And God um, uh, set me uh, free from prison. So what happened is that I did, there is a process of writing a book happen, but I wasn't really, like, uh, excited about it that time. I really did it because you know, I want my story to come out because there's too many questions about the situation that why am I there? Because when I realized, when I came to the United States, I realized my story really um, brought attention to many uh, other issues and real serious issues of persecution, like the, the real face, how, this is persecution, you know, and it's, um, I did not like the much attention as you said I don't know what you mean by attention but at the end I want my story to be encouraging to those who are uh, persecuted who are facing persecution to know that God is with them and um, there's too many things that can happen you know you never know what the end of our story is not about who are oppressing us it's about God who really put us in this situation for reason the other thing, uh, I wanted to be encouraging also for those who are supporting the persecuted church. Now when you go and speak and tell people to pray for the persecuted church, because you, your prayer has helped me through my time in prison. So I'm encouraging for those who are advocating for the persecuted church and for women and for the injustice that a religious minority and people face. And also for those who really um, don't know much about you know the love of God for them and um, to be able to uh, recognize that there is real God who watches over us and he sees us and he can do all we, he I mean whatever we ask for yeah I, yeah, I, so. I, I as you're speaking um, I know you at least a little bit I know you more than you know our audience that is listening to this podcast one of the things that I do know about you is that you don't really gravitate to the spotlight you don't like attention you you like to kind of be behind the scenes you um, have not in the eight years you haven't really taken any position as a full in the full-time ministry 
Um, and I think that might have to do a little bit with your desire to serve um, in the background. Uh, even when we're doing the tour, there is still a shyness about you. Like you, you feel shy about signing books. You feel sh sh shy about being in the spotlight. Um, you hear it in your voice. You see it in your in your ways. Um, you definitely like to be a little bit more in the background. Yeah, I mean, I will really uh, answer a call. Whatever God really put in my heart, I would do. So it's really challenging for me, you know, to hear word of praise from people because at the end they really want God's name to be praised and, and that's all I want. Um, yeah, I do pray that I will be able to serve Him in a better way I can. During this timing, this the, the this timing that you feel that God has has um, had on your life, especially as it comes to sharing your 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 testimony, um, do you feel that you would have been in a place to share about your story in the way that you did um, eight years ago? So eight years ago, would you have been in the same mindset? Would you have been in the same place? What has changed between now and eight years ago that ha that you feel might have been a benefit for you to share your story, to be in the spotlight? Well, uh, there's not much change in my desire to share my story and to serve God, but it's dependent surrounded, like, and the way that things are presented to me. I'm, I, I really don't feel like what I do in this situation is pleasing to God, you know, sometimes. Um, that's what I would say. You don't believe it was pleasing? Pleasing to God because, you know, I don't like too much worldly situation where you do things for us and get sing in the back. I don't like that. So. Okay, so you feel that <laughs> there yeah, was... Yeah, more freedom. I like, I'm, I'm free spirit and uh, yeah. I love, and the way, the reason, many reasons that I love Christ is have so much freedom of worshiping Christ. Any way I can go, that's, that's I took that. For doing things I want to make sure like you know it isn't like what I want but what sometimes God make way for things how yeah. he works things that's what I so, really realized that just to see if I'm understanding correctly mm -hmm. you feel that before if if you would have entered into a book deal for instance that there may have been you know you feel like you're benefiting from the story that God mm -hmm. has given you is that what you're saying yeah yeah do you how is this book deal that you've done together with Back to Jerusalem different than other book deals that you were looking at? Well, this is really big difference, of course, and it's really big deal for me, and I'm sure it's for my children as well to know that we really um, can, you know, the story is that what I'm um, um, reading this morning about uh, the disciple of Jesus when he came, when it's come to, to follow Christ, it's always is a cost for that. And it doesn't have to be something really seen for the world. It has to be something you, between you and God, that's something you give up, you know. So uh, this, when Jesus come, came to them when they, when they are fishing, he asked them, after he, they are given everything that they needed that moment to survive that moment, they were able to catch a lot of fish to get them out of debt and, have, and sell it and go and become rich. But they did not choose to go that way. When Jesus asked them to go with him, they immediately went with Christ. They followed Jesus. So that's, that's, I, that's what I feel like 
that's an example for, you know, the, the weight benefit that I need from this situation, from me being in this position. Yeah, I want to see people coming to Christ. I want to see people um, being served. I want to see uh, stories like mine is being here, and you know. So, so you, so you are you really feel that uh, doing this now together with Back to Jerusalem is in in one way still gives you the freedom to mm -hmm. up and follow Christ as you feel that He is calling you, mm -hmm. without feeling any sort of obligation or being mm -hmm. tied down to debt or promises or contracts mm -hmm. is that correct that's correct yeah so i i love that i love that you know when jesus came to the fishermen mm -hmm. to his disciples and said follow me mm -hmm. they dropped their nets they did they left it after they, left they it catch the fish they, all they need at that moment is to catch a lot of fish to survive that moment and to pay their debt so yeah i, I can, I, 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 I can identify not with, with, with yeah i it's not this is back to Judaism. Some people that really know me, they know this is how I really work and I, how I, I do the little thing I can. Yeah. And for those of you that are listening to this podcast, you know, as we're on this tour, mm -hmm. um, Miriam doesn't get any benefit from the books that we're selling through Back to Jerusalem on the tour. Uh, in fact, when people come on the tour, we make the books available to anybody that wants one of the books so we don't take in donations or i'm sorry we don't take in a price we take in donations for the book so anybody that gives a donation they take a book with them um and all of the money that we raise on this 100 percent of all the money that we raise on this tour is going for women that have found themselves to be oppressed living in a situation where they are being persecuted and that is that is really who you have felt or you've said that's who you feel called to be a voice for is the is the women that have been persecuted women and children that's women and correct. children yeah we're building a safe house for them but yeah. Jerusalem is building a safe house for those women that's right so we have yeah. a we and have it a won't be just safe house it'd be like we minister to them through that there for yeah that's when right I'm hungry you feed me there are women that are coming in, a lot of the women. So this is a safe house that Back to Jerusalem is sponsoring. Mm -hmm. um, then the safe house is made up of Iranian women, mm -hmm. many of them former prostitutes. Women and children, yeah, yeah been trafficked. Been trafficked, been sold, oppressed, been abused, yeah. been oppressed. Um, and so we are working together with these ladies to make sure that they get discipleship and ministering to them and then we will um, support them in getting on the job training mm -hmm. and then from on the job training we will then invest in their lives for them to start their own business and become self-sufficient mm -hmm. without having to rely on um, getting hired sometimes that's very difficult for women that have no background I mean you worked with women they had been in prison yeah. and those women when they come out of prison they don't have a lot of options. I mean, they can't do like a, a resume that says that they're qualified to do certain jobs because they've been in they've been in prison. Yeah, and they've been rejected by the community, by families, and that's what people. I mean, that's what Jesus will pick, and will minister to, and will support, and will. Yeah. Uh, let me let me ask um, with the with this book tour. Um, we know that there's been a lot of positive feedback. We know that there have been people that their lives have been touched. Has there been any negative feedback? Have you received any pushback? Because this book really does expose 
the life of a woman living in a Muslim country. And there may be a lot of people that feel like, you know what, this is not a very good view of Islam. Could you, could you be a little softer? Could you be a little kinder? Could you not say this or that about Islam? Have you received any, any messages or emails or Facebook messages or phone calls about this book being a little bit too harsh? Yeah, and I expect that actually because this is always the situation and the challenge and um, for uh, people like have experience with Islamic law, not just me, we'd be told like you're ignorant, you're misleading the West, you know, you, you're lying, you're looking for fame or money. Ha have That's, people accused you of being ignorant or looking for yeah, fame? And they do. For money? Yeah, they do, hateful, you know, spreading hate instead of love. Which when we tell, actually, it isn't hate and it isn't a lie. It's the truth. It's a story that happened. It's the life of people, like things that people experience in their own life, not just me, my mom, my, my own children, you know, which they're still not even recognized by, by the Sudanese government. So, and uh, yeah, we do feel, but at the end, we don't take it personally because, you know, yeah. There are some people that feel that Christians should share more love. Do you feel that there is there is a difference in sharing love and, or truth? Do you think that you have to choose between the two? Well, it isn't a choice because when even when some truths are hard, but it's a love. When I say, when you talk about uh, Sharia law and how Christians are being treated and how women are being treated. So you don't share hate. That's truth, right? Yeah. It I, might, it, and at the end, one look at who offended. Because if you offended by my word, but not the action you taking, harming somebody, destroying someone's life, I would really, I wouldn't really care much about your feeling. Because <laughs> you, that's, I mean, it's not because like careless, but. You can care, you know, that's the position where you choose the right. I would choose the suffering because I would stand with the source suffering. Even Jesus himself, he didn't, when he said with the sinner, with the tax buyer, he didn't sit with them, like to become friends or to tell them you good and everything. He condemned the, what they're doing, right? You know, wrong is wrong, right is right. So, and we're not a perfect as a human being, but when you say, I was tough sometimes, if you say something, say something. So, and it's, um, yeah, I don't know if they I know, that. I, no, I really, <laughs> I really like what you just said. I think that's a very powerful thing for us to keep mm -hmm. in mind. If you are more offended by talking about something that happened than the fact that it actually happened, mm -hmm. you if, if you are hurt. more offended by the words than the actions, mm -hmm. then maybe there is something wrong, wrong with, with you. Your, yeah, yes, that is, know. that is mm -hmm. actually a really good way to look at it because mm -hmm. there are so many people that they don't want you to talk about what you went through in Sudan yeah. because it makes Sudan look bad. Even the government said, you're making us look bad. Mm -hmm. Like they didn't mind that they were doing it to you. They, they minded it. more that people knew yep. and what I they have were doing to, come to you. I have to face this challenge like because you'd be sitting with the same people who create the problem because they're trying to find a solution. You know what you should do to fix it? But you can't try to blame other people, to be silent, like to silence them, you know. You have to be silent, you have to be quiet, because you're not helping. But your actions that is harming others, is, uh, you see, it's okay, you can, you know, it's about accountability and justice. And I serve God of justice, so that's what I would say.
one of the things when you were telling me your story, I was I was listening to uh, the way that you would tell me that you know certain government officials would come in or guards even would come in a little bit angry at you because they feel like why are you doing this to us and you're the one in shackles you're the one that's been sentenced to death you're the one with a child living in prison and yet they have the nerve to come into your jail cell and say why are you the one in shackles Mm -hmm. doing this to us the ones in power that, that for me was so backwards. The other thing that I found interesting was that um, there was a there was a, a, a desire from the government for you to not tell people what was happening or even for people to see what was happening. You told me that when you were brought to your trial, the one where you were sentenced to death, um, they wanted to make sure that you did not have your shackles on. They wanted to make sure that you didn't have Martin with you, your baby, because the image of that mm-hmm. would have been even more powerful. It would have been even more damning to those that put you in that situation. That's correct, yeah. And this is the situation now. I can see it now. Even the way the way people respond to prosecutions, they want to investigate, they want to go back. They, sometimes there's this belief in their face when you tell them this is happening this is serious like what's happening in nigeria now it isn't an issue of islam and christianity it is but you don't see it that way because you don't want to see it you don't want to listen like you want to listen to the power because people always you know what they call it worldly power whatever they think that they are like over uh, above everything and everyone so yeah but miriam there are people that would say Mm -hmm. Miriam, you know, I know, this is not true Islam. That's, well, they can say that, but, um, I mean, if, they, if you ask them, teach me about Islam, and what will happen to me if I said, no, I don't want it. I mean, it just so, it's really very challenging, and it, it can go to very ugly, it can tend to a very ugly situation when you come debate that. Yeah. So, because the truth is really hard, you know, to swallow for some people. Do you think that what you experienced in Sudan was real Islam? I believe so, yes. So, do you think that um, Sudan, for instance, is more extreme than Saudi Arabia? Well, they are um, all similar, they just um, with different flavor. (laughs) Different flavor. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, one of the things that I find interesting is that it's, so I'm going to speak as someone who's from the West, someone who's in the West uh, that continually um, consumes what the media is saying and tries to understand what the media is saying when it comes to these kind of issues. And one of the things that is very strong in the West is the idea that Islam is a peaceful, loving religion. And all these other nations that don't practice the way that we do in the the in the West, oh well, they're extremists and they don't count. So when we look at problems in Pakistan, oh they're extremists, they don't count. When we look at situations in Turkey, oh they're extremists, they they don't count. When we look at situations in Sudan, oh they're extremists, they don't count. When we look at situation in Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia is the one that gets to me the most because to say that Saudi Arabia is not real Islam is like saying that the the Pope is not really a Catholic. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are the representatives 
of Islam. In fact, it is a requirement by the Islamic religion that everybody at least once in their life travel to Saudi Arabia and do the Hajj from Medina to Mecca. So to say that that Saudi Arabia is not a proper representation, I believe, is deceptive at best and a lie at worst. That's true, I agree. So with your book, with your story that is that has just come out, um, have you had any close friends that have read your story and said, wow, Miriam, I didn't know this? Yes, I do. And I have one of the activists, I ask them, even though they're activists, they're outspoken against injustice and women face, and I asked um, her to endorse my book. And she said, no, I couldn't because, Miriam, you safe in United States, but I'm here. Like, I can't dare to do that. This, this woman, where was she at? She's in Sudan. Yeah, in Sudan, mm -hmm. okay. And you asked her to read your book or, or endorse I, I, your I book? I the, sent the, the copy of what's called the reader. Um, Oh, okay. So yeah, the um, so you sent to her the PDF. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so she did not want to endorse it because she feared for her own yeah, safety. That's true. Yeah. No, I I understand. What I don't understand is you were trying to get the endorsement from somebody in Sudan. <laughs> well, because the truth have to happen. Right. I do understand. So you I felt mean, that if somebody from Sudan endorsed it, that would help at least have also another voice from Sudan and say, yeah, no, Sudan, this is, yes, yeah. because my story don't present me only, it present most of women and children of uh, in religious minority communities and Muslim countries. And uh, it, it, it present women because, because you're a girl, because you are a woman, you can, uh, you know, end up with a considered Muslim and then you don't marry a Christian. That's, that's the point here. And, um, and I, the reason, uh, I asked actually because I do believe that silence in the face of evil itself evil like if you know that's wrong yeah you don't do it so you know I just yeah I don't understand you know how sometimes it's hard to believe that you can survive situation like that you know when you are offending the powerful people the Islamic um, regime like Sudan or like Iran it's hard to you know to survive that situation but at the end uh, our life it's in God's hand so on this tour we've gone to a, a wide variety of churches we've gone to independent churches Pentecostal churches charismatic churches last night we were at a Baptist church um, tomorrow we will be at a at a house we will be at a there's a circuit court judge that we're going to be meeting at their house and they are putting together a private gathering of of people um at the at the home of the judge and then um which is interesting by the way because you were judged by a judge in sudan and now you're being welcomed by a judge in america uh but uh, the last day of this book tour will be at a um a, a, an independent charismatic church um, that is more kind of in the line of like a Bethel um, uh, church out of California, kind of along that same line. So you are speaking at a wide variety of churches, people that don't necessarily agree on everything theologically, but they believe in Jesus. They stand together with you. They love your story. You yourself are Catholic. Um, and so 
you as a Catholic are going to Pentecostal churches, conservative churches, Baptist churches, independent churches. Um, this is one of the amazing things that I love about working together with you. If somebody is listening to this podcast and they're like, hey, I would love to invite you, Miriam, to come and speak at our uh, women's conference or come and speak at our religious freedom conference or come and speak at our church. Is that something that you would be willing to do? Yes, I would love to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm Christian Catholic. Yes, I am Catholic. And a lot of time people say, oh, when I tell my story, because how I really learn much about Christ, it's as a Catholic church and with my connection with the nun. So, but that really doesn't have anything to do because we all, we all at the end read the Bible and pray to, at the end of our prayer, we say in, in Jesus' name. So we, um, I, I, and the thing I want to see, um, we don't have to question one another because none of us is perfect, right? And whatever we do, it's God sees and God knows exactly and who's the one who would judge, I mean, just himself, who I am to judge. So I do, uh, I don't discriminate, <laughs> I don't judge. So I speak even in some uh, non-Christian uh, conferences, I do. I speak with that. And I, it's sad sometimes I've been like, oh no, I don't agree with you. That's why I don't think I will provide you a platform or a way you can speak, you know. So that's okay. That's fine. I really don't. Uh, if you were invited to speak at a Muslim gathering, would you do that? Yes, I did. Yeah. And so you've done that before. Yeah. You shared your story. How did they receive it? Well, they might not agree with them, or I said, and it's turned out not to be good, but uh, God know, and I know. And I, yeah. <laughs> it, it didn't turn out. To, what happened? Um, because it's ended up like you have to stop talking, and you have to stop talking about certain things, you know. Don't really? Okay, so you were invited to a Muslim conference or a conference hosted by Muslims, and yeah. what did they want you to speak about? They wanted me to speak about um, uh, other issues that related to, uh, you know, the legal system in our countries and um, the discrimination of against women and things like that. Yeah. Okay, and so you were invited to go and speak at a, uh, a conference about religious freedom, about women's, I'm assuming, women's rights? And the other time also I was invited to speak and there's a Muslim and then uh, um, it's like um, liberal, you know, groups. But then, then they said, yeah, they, when they went back, they said, no, you're pro-life, so I don't think it will be... Uh, really? Yes, like they allow the Muslim to speak, but I'm pro-life. I'm not allowed to speak uh, because uh, where was this? Offend, uh, it's actually university somewhere in New England. So okay, so it was a university. Out of respect for my relationship with people, I don't <laughs> because I don't like to, you know, to. Yeah, so there there was about. a there was a university in mm -hmm. New England yeah. that invited you to come and speak. Was this a well-known university? Yes. Well-known university in New England that asked you to come and speak, and. Um, when you went to go, did you travel there? Because, yeah. No, I did not. I'm did just not. sending, like, bussing along my bayou oh, okay. and what I do. Right. And I, I do, actually. This is even, even not mentioned wow. in the book. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a committee member on, on one of the uh, pro-life groups on, on, on my local uh, area. So. so you were disinvited mm -hmm. um, by yeah. the university because you are pro-life. 
and uh, and it's so sad because the event is about woman health and situation like that you know we know you are a survivor of uh, female genital mutilation and this is really some muslim are really against that but yet they putting like a portion is uh tied with woman health and things like that and you pro life i don't think it would be a good option because one of the panelists is a uh, pro portion so yeah I find that interesting because mm -hmm. most of the babies that are killed are killed because they're women or because mm -hmm. they're girls, they're females. Yeah. Uh, it, it, that may not be the situation in the U.S. I cannot say that for the U.S., but it's definitely the situation in mm -hmm. China in where China. more abortions take and place And even in for Muslims, abortion is a, is a, um, you know, is a crime. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, so, in, in but China... But they don't really talk about it. The problem is that... You know, here is what I find out very interesting also in the Muslim community, like activists. Even now you see, if there's something happening in the West, they all, especially when it came to like Black Lives Matter, they won't support them. But they're always silent about abortion issues and uh, LGBTQ issues. Because Christians normally speak up against these issues. So they don't want to look bad, you know. They are very, very, uh, you know, uh, they have like strategic about whatever they involve in and whatever that thing will make the West or the you know bad look bad they really put all their energy into that so. yeah I, I I understand exactly what you're saying because um, if you remember I don't know if if uh, you paid attention to this at all in the news but there were some there were Christians that owned a bakery there was a homosexual couple that wanted a special cake made for their wedding, mm -hmm. and the baker would not bake it. Yeah, now the I baker, the, the baker would allow the the homosexuals to buy anything from their store. But the thing is, is that they Baking. make special cakes that come from inspiration because they're artists. Mm -hmm. And as an artist, they decided that they could not participate in the gay wedding because it was against their religious beliefs and they mm -hmm. could not provide the inspiration to make a special cake just for that occasion mm -hmm. and so what they what we saw was that that bakery was sued and it was all over the news on how hateful they were as christians how unloving they were as christians but there's a guy uh by the name of um uh crowder uh, I can't remember his first name right now, but he's a very well-known person that has a podcast called Louder with Crowder. Mm -hmm. And Crowder went to several bakeries owned by Muslims and asked mm -hmm. them to make a cake for a homosexual wedding. And they, I mean, it wasn't even a question. No. Like, yeah. get out of my store. Yet, mm -hmm. that is not brought up at all. Nobody the complete silence. Yep. Nobody will say it. Nobody will, um, yeah. Yeah, so That's it is interesting. Because they have the, they have the privilege of uh, religious freedom. They, yeah. they really, but when you, uh, you can't ask them in exchange to do the same in their countries because at the end, you know, we are all, you know, God's children and nobody really own land or anything, you know. I don't see that, but um, I, I just think that it's not fair, you know, to be silent when that's really not harming your people or your group or, you know, and then when somebody really being harmed, come and speak up and say, no, this is wrong. You all come and put all your energy to silence that person. And, yeah. 
and you have and it can become really very personal sometimes you can be accused of things that you don't do you know yeah no i mean yeah you've been accused yeah, of disqualify. being yeah you it's, have been accused of being uh violating facebook terms for instance and i can see it only thing i can see it one way this one i can see it this is like not about me when you come and tell me like we, the other thing also I, I believe I shared that with you Jim before one time I was in conversation and somebody came in like no we really don't have to worry about the this is Whitaker Whitaker's son right huh Whitaker Whitaker <laughs> the, the license plate sorry oh <laughs> yeah I talked to you about this before when uh talking about the rest the like the situation is prosecution chair and that involves some of the christian girls being forcibly uh married to muslim men all that and they uh, honestly they forced to convert to islam so as uh, some people said no this is really happened those girls are converted already and they're having their marriage but other people are using this just to make a to make a problem, to make a profit out of it, and make it create a drama and issues. So, and then other part also, oh, people who convert to Christian to Christianity from Islam, they always been labeled as like they only looking for fame, money, or looking for asylum. And this was said I was there, so and I really get very upset and I have to respond because I see it. I know the story of people who convert to Islam. It's powerful, from Islam to Christianity, I mean. It's powerful stories. But because they don't hear the story, they listen to the word, and they look at why those people do, because somehow, some of them might not believe it, but us as a believer, we know this is true, you know? And this is real. But so when I see it, I get offended in this situation because this is people are trying to disqualify the testimony of the believer and to tell them like Jesus is not worthy of your risk to say I am Christian and you know this is dangerous country to say that and you know it is wrong thing to say that according to the law of man because you know you're gonna end up get killed so yeah uh, that's one of the things that you brought up in a in a debate, they while you were in prison, mm-hmm. there was a um, there was an imam that used to be a Christian, and they brought him in to share with you why he converted to Islam, mm-hmm. to convince you that you should convert convert to Islam. And one of the things that he said to you when he came into your prison cell and he began to share with you about how you should convert, he was saying that Islam is so peaceful and loving, but you pointed out something very interesting with him in his own life. What did you say to him? Yeah, uh, he's um, a pastor, former pastor and from Eritrea. And you know, Eritrea is not a good place for Christian. So he uh, was a Christian and then he converted to Islam. And he came to offer me Islam and to tell me that um, the Christianity is lie, Christ is lie, whatever. The church is saying to you is lie, Islam is the peace, Islam is the love. And uh, so and you, when you're going to die, now you're going to go to hell. But if you accept Islam and you worship and you practice your faith, you go to paradise. So um, I asked him, that's very interesting because I'm glad to know you. Like, 
you came from that background because they really want to know what your church said like you are converted right from Christianity how how is the church respond he said they didn't do anything uh, how's your family respond he said they did not do anything I say like okay now we're in like in a uh, opposite situation if I said no I'm not I'm staying Christian and you choose to say Muslim what would you say he said then you get killed you get killed that was his idea of love That's and peace love and peace I'm like okay you did not receive the same response from the chair I'm staying on my love and in my peace in my, <laughs> you know my chair like, because yeah. they want God to kill me if I you know said I'm Muslim I don't know how much love and peace you could take. Yeah, and that that's the challenge. Did I tell you about the they will will come after the the debate will go deeper and deeper and you tell them, yeah, he, they can say, "No, no, no. Quran didn't say kill the infra, kill the the people who convert. Quran didn't, but Muhammad did, you know." Yeah. And in Islam, basically everything that people do in life is to model after Muhammad. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. So if that which Muhammad did, mm-hmm. people are encouraged to do the same. To do the same, yeah. And that is uh, Muhammad raped, Muhammad sold slaves, mm-hmm. Muhammad killed, yeah. Muhammad named his sword. Mm-hmm. Um, Muhammad married a five-year-old and consummated when she was nine. Mm-hmm. Um, Muhammad killed those that did not convert. Yeah. Uh, Muhammad killed those that insulted him mm-hmm. uh, or had killed. Um, had He had other people kill for him, for people that insulted him. Him or his family. Yeah, yes. Uh, so, I mean, if you model your life after Muhammad today, you would be considered, in my opinion, I would love to hear what you think about it, but in my opinion, if you modeled your life after Muhammad today, you would be an extremist. Yeah. No, you won't be extremist. You'd be a true Muslim. Yeah, you'd be a true, yeah, Muslim. true Muslim. And, and so I... And when, they want... The problem is that they want... Like, you see, normal when there's any terrorist attack happens somewhere in the West, none of the Muslim leaders came out or just a statement as just like diplomatic response they want because something Islam very teaches them one thing we have to stand up to one another and stick to one another and support one another no matter what when 9-11 september 11th attack in 2001 took place in america what was the response in sudan well people are um are protesting i mean Shouting out in the street, celebrating like the school closed for three days. Uh, th- three days go, for protest, like they were angry. Not protest, happy celebrating. They were they celebrated celebrating. September 11th. You have to people are walking the streets. They closed the schools for three days. Yeah, because they have to uh, march on the streets, celebrating on support to Osama. Some women gave birth to boys, named him, named them Osama. And some uh, girls named them Victory, Intasar, which means victory, yeah. So, Victory and Os- Osama became very mm-hmm. popular names Name, yeah. after 2011 mm-hmm. in Sudan. Yeah, they do. And that's, and even at the mosque, like now, on the, one of the problems that I had with Facebook that I, I, I respond and I comment on a, in a, on a post that are celebrating these things, like, you know this stuff 
this some making like 9-11 cake can you believe that can, can you tell me a little bit what happened with Facebook because right before this tour started you were banned your your account was blocked what happened yeah I'm really a, a little disappointed about that I don't like to be disappointed about thing in life but um, yeah I don't know really I'm waiting to hear response from them like whether they're gonna retain it or not and this is really very painful because you know um, I communicate with women and, and people through Facebook because it is really kind of now a similar situation because most of these women are in uh, countries and uh, places that they don't have much access to communication because our, their government spy on people even in your personal phone you know and uh, communication is a little bit challenge for them but Facebook sometimes is a less safer you know you log in and whatever you have time to respond to message you can do that yeah so so facebook blocked your, yeah and they, suspended they suspended okay so and they, they said if uh, i disagree with their decision and i follow up with the steps that they asked me to why do, did they suspend your account um i posted a big share and a little statement about islam spread with the sword uh, when I uh, talk about the killing of Christian and I put a picture of the this is actually on the memorial of the 21 uh, Coptic martyr, um, uh, Christians that have been slaughtered by ISIS so you put up a post on Facebook yeah. about uh, basically for Christians to remember the killing of Coptic Christians by ISIS this was a religiously motivated things it's action is religiously motivated oh, no action. doubt about it no but they, they saying those are mobs this is our extremists they don't present Islam and you come all your energy to defend Islam but you those people fall like nobody care about them and again it goes back to what you were saying they yeah. care more about the words, the words than the actions the actions they care more about the word they defend Islam they put their life to defend Islam like they can get into heated conversation but how about this person how about this life lost I am not them like I know they did it willingly and God wanted you know put them in that situation but I want to see empathy I want to see just like you had a feeling for those who hurt not by my word that which I just used to describe situation it is easy and I will say it many times situation like that is not an act of love to say it by love you can find a loving word to talk about that situation you can find a loving word like how you if i and no matter how i am uh you know well uh <laughs> worthy person i can find a word to tell you that to explain to you how challenging is that to have my child in prison and then to be told not to name them the name i gave them because they don't belong to you because you, I brought them to this life in a wrong way when I didn't I married as a church so that's very you know challenging conversation you can have to explain things and um, it doesn't have anything about the way you say it but because sometimes you have to say things the same way they are no matter how hard it is for people to hear it because when you speak you don't want to like to hurt people's feelings you want to tell a story you know you wanna okay this is a problem pray about it find a solution but don't pretend you're a victim you know or yeah 
let me, yeah, I, I completely understand. I got, I want to ask you a question. Um, because I mean, for me, I see that fundamentalists, people that are accused of being fundamentalists or extremists are individuals who share or not share, follow an ideology to the extreme. And if you look at the life of Muhammad, if you look at the, the teachings and the historical spreading of Islam, those that kill, those that kidnap, those that rape, those that, that, I, that is a part of the history of Islam. I know that that's hard to hear, that's hard to say, but it is there. Um, and so if we look at it this way, al-Baghdadi, the former uh, leader of ISIS, was in the footsteps of Muhammad. And a, a Christian extremist, which is often what we call those that do bombing, those that do killing, those that do raping in the name of God, I don't believe that is an extremist. Because if, or a Christian fundamentalist, because they don't go to the Christian fundamentals. They don't follow the teachings of Christ to the extreme. An extremist, in my view, would be someone who followed the teachings of Jesus to the extreme. That would be someone like, in my view, Mother Teresa. Mm -hmm. So Mother Teresa is someone who followed the teachings of Jesus to the extreme. Mm -hmm. That is a Christian extremist. That is a Christian fundamentalist. Where al-Baghdadi is a Muslim extremist, a Muslim fundamentalist, following the teachings of Islam to the extreme. Fun following the fundamental teachings of Islam. That's correct. I agree. You really said it well. Yeah, I agree. And and, and mm -hmm. one of the things that uh, I would I would like to to ask, uh, because now we're you know we're going over this book. You you've really put your heart and your soul uh, into the writings of this book. Are there are there any parts of your life, your prison experience, things that you went through that you didn't put in that book? And if so, why? I think there is a lot. I think so. I. Yeah, there's so much details. Is yeah. there is there any specific situation that you can think of that it's not in your book, but it's a special story that you will always hold dear? Yeah, the the question I got after the book, you know, the people who read the books, because the same response to no apostasy is not stated in Quran. Ah. Where is the three days come from? I didn't. Ex I don't think. Do I, I? don't think I explained that no. much. Yeah, I didn't detail the three days that I was given. But this is in a Quran, in a surah. I mean, in a sirah. That's ah. what Muhammad did in response to, to uh, how Islam just spread. You know, because yeah. when I'm in that situation at the court, the judge is presenting Islam to me. He's telling me to accept Islam, and um, what I. Uh, what he did is follow exactly um, that that uh, order for what Muhammad did. It's in the Sira. And they will say Muhammad um, gave the people, uh, you know, when he came into the city to spread Islam, to, to be, tell people about uh, the, his message. He will give them three days, as they said, you know, you accept Islam or you, and I'm going to launch war against you and war killing and you get into war you kill people so some people end up giving up and accepting islam to save their life that's what they exactly told me you need to save your life they don't know already saved by knowing christ and uh, yeah that's i think that's one of the things i didn't mention a lot of small details about um 
my children also. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that's that's fair, in my opinion anyway. I mean, you might feel differently about it, but in my opinion, yeah. it's fair. Because the job of your book was not to explain the theology of Islam. Yeah, The job not. of your book was to share the testimony that you have because of what you suffered from the actions of those who were Muslim. Mm -hmm. Those who represented Islam threw you in prison with your child. They, they tortured you. They sentenced you to death. That was the fruit of Islam. Why it happened, what Quranic verse it followed, what what theology. Your job is not to debate Islam with yeah, Muslims. Yeah, that's not my job. That's correct. That's yeah. what I'm trying to tell them. I don't even like to debate Islam. But yeah. you asked me about why I'm saying this. As yeah. I said, according to this situation. Yeah. Because I'm, I don't, I mean, I would have to look again, but I don't remember ever you yeah. ever saying the Quran says three days are to be given for mm -hmm. the, so that yeah, I Yeah, that's think, Muhammad did that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Muhammad and, did that. But mm -hmm. when, for what I, from what I remember, when you were given that three days, mm -hmm. you saw it not in yeah. a Quranic text, but in a biblical text. So you were reminded of the three days of Jonah, oh, and, Jonah the and the fish. You were reminded of the three days of Jesus mm -hmm. in the grave. You were reminded of yeah. that, that power of three in three mm -hmm. days. You say I try to be positive as much as I can. <laughs> yeah, because when you see, sometimes the truth make you look like you're a negative person. Yeah. Because you always see the other part, you know. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm a positive person, but I always care about the suffering people, you know. And yes. when you speak about persecution, it's just so hard to be positive when you have to tell it like what it is in a different way. But uh, yet, we say it with joy because I have so much joy being in prison in that situation. I really remember them days and I smile. Just remember how, how God really showed me things and how what he teached me. And yeah, I want to be encouraging at the time. I, and it's so hard to balance between two. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's you are you have this message of encouraging others in an, an environment where you are uh, being attacked or questioned or they there are people that would like to get you into a debate that you are not looking for. One of the things that I have learned while being together with you is that you're very content with being a mother. Like you love being a mother. You love being with your children you're not wanting to go out on a daily crusade and argue with muslims on tv <laughs> you're not trying to invite yourself onto platforms with imams and tell them why why islam is wrong and christianity is right you just simply want to live your testimony mm -hmm. in front of the world so That's that correct. your life can be a light instead of your words That's correct. and and you were talking about before there are people that are offended more by the words than by the actions. I would say the flip side is true of you, where you would rather argue with your life rather than with your words. Yeah, maybe sometimes, yes. <laughs> yeah. I wanna, I wanna thank you, Miriam, for uh, being on this tour, joining us on our Back to Jerusalem podcast, and and sharing honestly and openly with us. Thank you, Eugene. I really appreciate that, and appreciate your. Um all the thing you do yeah and i want to thank you guys for joining us for another back to jerusalem podcast again i'm eugene bach your host for this time coming to you live on delay 
from somewhere within the borders of America. God bless you.